to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Good morning. My name's Lonnie Shields. I'm the interim campus pastor at the Middleville campus. And can we just say thank you to Brian and the worship team? Holy cow. They just bring it every week. And I tell you, the tech team, if you can't hear them, it doesn't matter how anointed you are. So let's thank the tech team and the people that run all the computers. This is awesome. This is just awesome. And can I say before we get started, this This hand-to-hand thing that Pastor Dan talked about a few minutes ago, when when I heard that the schools had um, children who have reduced or free lunches, but when they go home on the weekend, they may not have anything to eat. And it's not because necessarily their parents are idiots, it's People can just get themselves in trouble. And it made me so sad and it ticked me off, (laughs) to be honest. It just made me angry. And so we have an opportunity to change that. There's all kinds of ways that you can be involved. You can do shopping. You can bring food in. You can be a liaison with the school members. They, They pack the food. You can be a part of the packing team. They have people that take it into the schools and stick it in the kids' lockers. It's just the coolest thing. So there's a table in the lobby. Whatever you're doing after church, you need to stop at that table and find out where you can get involved, all right? So um, I want to say welcome. I'm, I'm so thankful for the technology that lets us broadcast this service on the internet. I was thinking this last week, you know, we tend to think that if people are watching online, they're folks that maybe just they're sick or something's going on in their lives and they, they, they can't be here, so they watch online. But really, there are people who are watching us this morning in other states and even in other countries. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for letting us be with you this morning and share the word of God. I was thinking this last week about um, my oldest granddaughter, Maddie. A few years ago, you know, she had been the only granddaughter for the longest time. And now she's got a beautiful little sister and she's got a little brother. And I think she was feeling a little maybe insecure about her place in the family, right? So she goes to Diane, my wife, and says, She's wanting grandma to tell her that grandma loves her the best, right? (laughs) And Diane goes, Maddie, I love all my grandkids the same, but I've loved you the longest. (laughs) To me, that was a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit, you know, (laughs) that it just helped And I feel that about you guys, because the first time I had an opportunity to share with you, you were still meeting in the Grange, and I got to use the attached outhouse, and it was cold. (laughs) So, so, uh, now I know that this is hard to believe because of how suave and debonair I appear to, to you today, 
When I was a teen, I struggled with amazing amounts of nerdiness. And as a result of that, I struggled with rejection and anxiety and even to the point of having panic attacks in certain social situations. Well, then I came to understand how much God loved me and I really gave him my life without reservation. And not long after that, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For those of you that may not be familiar with that terminology, it's an encounter with the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about. Um, actually, you know, he sent his disciples into all the world, but he said, wait, before you guys go, stay here in Jerusalem until you receive this baptism in the Spirit. You receive the power of the Spirit. And that was the first question that Paul asked when he went to Ephesus and he met some disciples. He didn't ask them, what version of the Bible do you use? or Any of those kinds of things. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit? So I received this baptism in the Spirit And he began to help me understand the scriptures. I began to develop the spiritual discipline, the habit of reading scripture every day. And one day I read this verse from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He wrote this. Maybe you can, it'll magically appear there. You go, read this with me, will you? You are tempted in the same way all other human beings are. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted any more than you can take. But when you are tempted, God will give you a way out. Then you will be able to deal with it. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13 in the New International Reader's Version. I'd never heard of that. Elaine turned me on to it a few days ago and I love it. What I began to understand from that scripture was that everybody faces the same temptations. You don't have some kind of unique, amazing temptation that only gets you. Everybody faces the same things. So one day I was sitting there in class and I was thinking about this and the scriptures would call that meditation, right? You don't have to cross your legs and it just means to think about the scriptures, to turn it over and over, looking at it from different perspectives, maybe even mutter it to yourself. So I'm thinking about the scripture and the door to the classroom opens and a guy named Dale Peterson sticks his head in to wave to his girlfriend. Now Dale was the captain of the football team. He was a couple of years older than me. He's dating a cheerleader. He's got the coolest yellow Chevy truck with chrome rims and baby moons. Some of you may be old enough to remember that look. That was... And I just kind of quietly thought in my mind, Lord, you mean even Dale Peterson feels anxiety about being rejected? And the quiet reply was, yep, even Dale Peterson. That changed everything for me. Because I realized if everyone feels the same way that I did, what I needed to do was try to make the people around me feel accepted. I needed to let them know that I accepted them instead of waiting for them to accept me. So I began to look for ways to do that. 
I stopped thinking about my fears of rejection and began focusing in on making other people around me feel loved and accepted. And the most amazing thing happened. As I communicated love and acceptance to them, I began to feel loved and acceptance back. Fears of rejection, those panic attacks began to melt away. I haven't had a panic attack in more than 50 years. That's a good thing. So the point of all this was that as we look at these Bible heroes in this series, Just Like Us, the reality is that they were just like us. While all of us are unique, we all have different gifts and different temperaments, we all face the same kinds of temptations and problems to one degree or another. So the goal with this series is for us to imitate the faith and the virtues of our Bible heroes and to learn from their mistakes and failures. Don't imitate the mistakes and failures. (laughs) Imitate their faith and their virtues and then learn from their mistakes and failures. So Today, we're going to look at a guy named Abram and his wife, Sarai. Now, as we go along, their names will change to Abraham and Sarah, but it's the same people. I'll explain more about that later. The story is found in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapters 11 to about 25. This is a story happened close to 4,000 years ago, so that would put it in the Bronze Age, roughly a couple of thousand years before Jesus. Now, Probably the greatest single distinguishing characteristic of this guy, Abram, was his great faith. He's called the father of the faith. He believed what God said and he acted on what he believed. I want you to get that. His great faith showed itself by his great obedience. So let's unpack that a little bit, all right? In Genesis 12, Abram has an encounter with God. God gives him a command first and then five promises. He says this, Then the Lord told Abram, Leave your country, your relatives and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. So there's the command. Leave, go. And he doesn't tell him where to go. He just says, You just follow me. I'll show you where to go. Here's the promises. First one, I'll cause you to become the father of a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. I'll make you a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So God told Abram to leave his home, go to the land that he would show him. (laughs) This is the amazing thing. Abram did it. Let's look at this from just a little bit different angle. Abram is called a friend of God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he was nice to God? (laughs) What does it mean to be? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, John 15, 14. Read this with me, would you? You are my friends if you do what I command. And that's what Abram did. He obeyed the Lord. He did what God commanded. Now, I think that perhaps for us as Americans, we 
don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We're sort of rebels at heart, right? But if we want to be Christ followers, I mean, if we're serious about this, then we're going to have to learn to deal with our natural rebelliousness. We're going to have to learn how to submit to God's authority and become obedient to Him. We don't hear a lot about this in the church today. But it's central to the gospel. God is the creator. He's our father as well as our redeemer. And he, whether you like it or not, he has the right to tell us what to do. Now here's the key. When we understand that he loves us, that he really loves us, we realize then that obeying God, obeying his word and his spirit, is by far the smartest thing that we can do. You've got to understand, if God tells us not to do something, it's not because he's trying to withhold something from us. It's he wants to protect us and the people around us. He wants to bring blessing into our lives and the lives of the people around us. And he's a lot smarter than we are. He sees things that we don't see. So it's always a good plan to obey God. He loves us. I touched this earlier. The day that I realized how much he loved me, I knelt down beside my bed and I prayed a prayer that didn't sound very religious. It went something like this. Okay, God, you call the shots. Anything goes, I'll go any place. I'll say anything. I'll do anything you want. You just have to let me know for sure. Here I am on a stage in Hastings. I'll tell you, my life changed when I made that commitment. I'd gone to the front of the church hundreds of times asking the Lord to forgive my sins and I'd never had any real assurance that he'd heard my prayer until I made that 100% commitment. And then suddenly I had peace that I'd never experienced before. And you can have that same thing if you don't. Now, probably the most important thing we can learn and imitate from the life of Abram is simply that, to obey God's word and his spirit. And we're going to look at this again later in Abram's life when God asks him to do something absolutely ridiculous. So I want to make sure you get this. Abram's life was marked by his obedience. But it wasn't just about obedience. God gave him some promises. Let's look at the first promise that God gave Abram, that he believed. He said, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. Now, in the ancient world, you've got to remember, they didn't have Medicare and Medicaid and IRAs and Social Security. There was not any kind of social safety net. So the plan was, have a lot of kids And then when you get old, they'll take care of you. (laughs) If your wife couldn't have babies in those days, that was grounds for divorce. And 
This was perhaps part of why many men took multiple wives. With all the problems that caused, at least it did provide some assurance that when you were told to work, there would be a bunch of kids around that could take care of you. So Abram had married this beautiful woman named Sarai. The problem was she couldn't have children. So I'm sure that Abram was greatly relieved when the first promise that God makes to him is, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. That's like, woohoo, <laughs> yay. So he has this amazing encounter with God, and immediately after that, there's a famine in the land, and Abram has to go down to Egypt to find food. Now, evidently, this Sarai was a real fox a very beautiful woman, and Abram was afraid that in Egypt they would kill him to get her. And so he has, he has her tell everybody that she's his sister. Now, you know that things can be true but not the truth, right? It was true. She was his half-sister. But the truth was she was his wife. So they tell this half-truth, and the king of Egypt takes Sarai into his harem. Now, God protected her, restored her to Abram, but I've always wondered... How did that impact their relationship? Dude, you're willing to let me be in the king's harem just because you're afraid God won't protect your scrawny hide? How did that play out, right? And how could Abraham have this great faith that would let him obey God and leave his family behind and go to some nebulous place and then have fear over here? How could he have that kind of faith and that kind of fear at the same time? Well, just like us. Now watch this. If you have great fear, anxiety, worry in your life, what that means is that you have a great capacity for faith. You just have to change your focus. One of my mentors said this, it deeply impacted me. Fear is always built on a lie. Deal with the lie and fear will die. Read that with me, would you? I want you to get this. This is really important. Fear is always built on a lie. Deal with the lie and fear will die. Now see, look, faith is built on the promises of God, right? Fear is built on the lies of the enemy. They're mirror images of each other. So if you want to move out of anxiety and worry and fear over to faith, then ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. Ask Him to show you, Lord... What are the lies that I'm unconsciously believing that are allowing this fear and this anxiety into my life? 
You identify those lies and push them out by putting the promises of God's word in their place. And you will move out of anxiety and worry and fear over into faith. I want you to get that. If you have a great capacity for fear, you have a great capacity for faith. You just have to change your focus. Now, so Abraham messed up, right? (laughs) The good news is that Abraham's failure to trust God to protect him didn't change God's mind about him. It didn't short-circuit God's promises. I don't know about you, but that's really encouraging to me. So his first promise, you're going to be the father of a great nation. But the problem was years went by and Sarah didn't get pregnant. So we just have to hit the high spots in Abram's story, right? He's got a bunch of adventures, all kinds of things. God blesses him. Again, years go by. And Sarah is not pregnant. So I want to show you a pattern that we see repeatedly in Scripture. It goes like this. First there's a promise. But then there comes a problem that makes it look like the promise is not going to happen. So you need to have perseverance. And then you'll find the provision of the promise. A promise, problem, perseverance, provision. This pattern played out in the life of Abram and in the lives of most of the heroes that we see in Scripture. It happens in our lives. So, years have gone by. Sarai's still not pregnant. They're in that perseverance stage. So let's pick up the story in Genesis 15. Abram has another encounter with God. And God says to him, First thing, right out of his mouth, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I I love that the first thing God says is, don't be afraid. He's meeting Abram right where he is, right? Don't be afraid. Now, God wouldn't have said that if fear and anxiety wasn't a problem. This is the guy, remember, who's known as the father of the faith. And it's clear he's got a problem with fear. Does that give you some hope? (laughs) The next verse gives us Abram's response. And I love that Abram is honest with God. Because he says, you've given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. And he didn't gloss over it. This is a problem. And so God's saying, don't be afraid. I'm your reward. You haven't given me any kids. What's up with that? But the Lord doubles down. And he says, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Then he takes Abram outside. And there's not any light pollution in the Bronze Age, okay? He looks up at the sky, it's just stars everywhere, and God says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. I want you to get this. God was on Abram's side, pulling for him to make it, doing everything he can to help him hold on to his faith and persevere. He's on our side too when we're in that perseverance stage. Abram asked God, 
How do I know? <laughs> so, God made a blood covenant with Abram. Now, in the ancient world, a blood covenant was the most binding agreement possible. For people who couldn't read or write, having a multi-stage ritual with witnesses and all the conditions and promises of the covenant clearly spelled out so anyone could understand and participate. And in the ancient world, if you broke a blood covenant, your own family would hunt you down and kill you to remove the shame of having a covenant breaker in the family. So God made a blood covenant with Abram to reassure him. As part of that covenant ritual, they took the A-H from God's name, Jehovah, and they added it to Abram's name and to Sarai's name. And Abram becomes Abraham and Sarai becomes Sarah. We see this in our culture today when two people get married and the wife takes her husband's name. Most of the things that we do in wedding ceremonies are actually based on this ancient uh, rite of, of making a blood covenant, cutting a covenant. So Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, and God becomes known as the God of Abraham. It was part of the covenant they had with God. Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Now I want you to get this. God didn't declare him righteous because he did everything right. God declared him righteous because he believed what the Lord had said. The same thing is true for us today. He doesn't declare us righteous. He doesn't give us the gift of eternal life because we're perfect. He does it because we believe what Jesus has done for us. We put our faith in him and we show it by becoming obedient to his word and his spirit. Now, Abraham's part of this whole cutting the covenant thing was to be circumcised and to circumcise all the men in his household. He did it all on the same day. Sometimes obedience is painful. Now, remember, he and Sarah are in the perseverance phase of the pattern. When you're in that perseverance phase, there's two temptations that can take you. The first one is simply give up. I'm done. I can't do this. This is too much. Here's the second one. Figure out a way to make the promise happen yourself. Not a good plan, but that was Sarah's idea. Genesis 16 says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So he sleeps with Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant. Things go downhill from there. Ishmael was born. And God promised to bless Ishmael because he was Abraham's son, even though he was not the son, the, the son of promise. And honestly, this is the source of all the conflict in the Middle East right now because the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael and they believe that Ishmael was the son of promise instead of Isaac. There's always negative consequences <laughs> when we figure things out on our own, right? So with God's help, through all this mess, Abraham and Sarah persevered. The book of Hebrews puts it to us pretty bluntly. You need to persevere 
so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. So then Abraham messes up again. Once again, he's afraid the pagan people around him are going to kill him to get Sarah. Now, she must have been some kind of babe because she's almost 90 at this point. (laughs) So again, he tells everyone the half-truth. She's his sister. And once again, the king takes her into his harem. And again, God protects her, brings her back to Abraham. And just as sort of an aside... Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac, pulls this same stunt with his wife, Rebekah. Sometimes our mistakes impact the next generation. But, once again, Abraham's failure doesn't short-circuit God's promise or sidetrack his blessings. And Abraham and Sarah had enough faith to get frisky, right? And immediately after this second failure of faith, Sarah becomes pregnant and Isaac is born. The promise is fulfilled. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. Now there's one last event that I want to look at in the life of Abraham because to us, it's crazy. In Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering on a mountain that God will show him. Now let's unpack this a little bit because to us this is crazy. It's way out of bounds. But to Abraham, this was not an unfamiliar scenario. In those days, many of the pagan religions called for people to sacrifice their children as burnt offerings. Look up the practices of the people that worshipped Chemosh or Molech or even Baal. The idea was that the more precious the sacrifice, the more devout the person was offering the sacrifice, and the greater the likelihood that the demon behind the idol that they were worshipping would give them what they were after. So, This was not an unusual thing in the culture that Abraham lived in. And I think Abraham might have thought, well, if these pagans love their idols enough to sacrifice their children, how can I do any less? Now, the book of Hebrews gives us an insight into part of Abraham's rationale. And we see his faith come into this picture. Hebrews says this, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Do do you see it? Okay, God, you're telling me to kill him. I'll kill him and you'll have to raise him back to life because you said it was through Isaac that I will have a family as numerous as the stars. So Abraham takes Isaac, a couple of servants, off they go. They get close to where they're going to do this whole thing and Abraham says to the servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little further. Now watch this. We will worship there and then We will come back. Abraham was not planning to leave Isaac as a bunch of ashes 
on an altar on top of a mountain. We will worship there and we will come back. Now Isaac, he was no dummy, right? Dad, here's the wood and the fire. Where's the sheep for the sacrifice? And here's Abram's reply. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. So they get to Mount Moriah. Abraham builds an altar, puts the wood on it, ties Isaac up, puts him on the altar, picks up his knife, and he's ready to kill his son when the angel calls from heaven, telling him not to hurt Isaac, and says, Now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. So Abraham looks up, sees a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, and offers that as the sacrifices. And he calls the place Yahweh Yireh, or what we would say in English, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Now watch this. Mount Moriah is the place where 800 years later, Solomon builds the temple of the Lord in the city of Jerusalem. And just outside the city, there's a place called Golgotha. Does that sound familiar? The place of the skull. The place where Jesus, as the Lamb of God, offered himself for our sins. So Abram's prophetic word, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, was fulfilled twice. First with the ram caught in the thicket, and second, a couple of thousand years later, when Jesus, the Lamb of God, offered himself as a sacrifice for us. <laughs> Is that cool or what? I, I just love that stuff. So let's land this thing. What spoke to you out of all this? There's four things that I hope you got. Number one, obedience to God's word and his spirit is the hallmark of faith. So have you ever really surrendered your life to Christ? Are you still doing things your own way? Or have you said, okay, Jesus, I make you my Lord? Is there something the Holy Spirit's pushing you to do and you're going, if that's you, stop. <laughs> Just yield. Just do it. Obey the Lord. Here's number two. Sometimes we have to persevere. Remember the pattern? Promise, problem, perseverance, provision. Where are you in the pattern? Do you have a promise? Is there a problem that's making it look like the promise is not true? Then you need to persevere. There's usually not any shortcuts. You just have to persevere through to the provision. Here's number three. Having faith doesn't mean that you're sinlessly perfect. <laughs> Abraham messed up again and again. And God continued to love him and help him and bring him into his destiny. Here's number four. Your capacity for fear is your capacity for faith. Abraham, this man of such great faith, was fearful. Remember, as my friend said, fear is always built on a lie. Deal with the lie and fear will die. What are the lies that look so true? Maybe you're not even consciously aware of them. Maybe they're just things that are subconscious in your heart. You can ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, 
to show you his truth about your life. You can put God's promises into your heart and push out the lies, move from fear to faith. So before I pray for you, release you out into the world, let me just remind you, if you're struggling with some of these things, other issues in your life, you can text TVC Hope to 77948. Somebody will get back to you, talk you through, help you with these things. You're not alone. Now let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for each person that's here, for each person that's watching online. Lord, I pray for your spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on us, Lord. Father, I ask you to open our spiritual eyes to begin seeing things the way that you see them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for pouring God's love into our hearts. Lord, I pray that every barrier to your love would be gently dismantled till every one of us experiences the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of your love that's beyond our comprehension. And Lord, I pray this week that you would lead us to people that need you. You would lead us to people that we can touch. Let us be your hands and your feet. Let us speak your words. Bless us, Lord. Bless the world through us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We just say thank you to Pastor Lonnie. Before you go, I just want to say thank you again for your continued generosity in the life of our church. So many of you continue to invest in what God is doing here and we're able to continue to walk forward. I'm... I feel very blessed to see what God has been able to do in and through TVC, even through a really difficult season that we've just walked through. And I know that that is in part because many of you have been faithful. And because you've been faithful, God has used that. So as you leave today, there's giving buckets in the back. If you filled out that Connect card, you can put that there. But I want to remind you of one other thing as we talked about Detroit today and hand-to-hand and things like that. There are poor boxes Um, at every exit to an entrance to our building. Any money that you put in there, we make sure it goes back out to to touch somebody's life who may have less than, may find themselves in a difficult position. And so I want to encourage you to also utilize that as well. Standing, let me give you a blessing today. I've I've given you the same blessing for the last eight months, and I'm going to give you a little bit different blessing today, really in light of what God's spoken to us today, and I'd love for you to receive it today. I pray that any fear that you have would be replaced with the faith that comes from knowing you are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and there's nothing Nothing you will face today, nothing you will face tomorrow that can separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. You hold your heads high. Those of you watching online, watching this at any point in time, 
you are children of God and there is nothing that can change that. Walk in faith today. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com. Thank you.